Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Between the shadows of reality and the fringe of our own fears lurks a world of monsters. Strange creatures and frightening phantoms who test the very boundaries of our science and superstition. It's a realm of mystery and legend, a place of fact and fear. This is Monstro Bizarro. Thousands of people report sightings of huge, hair-covered, bipedal creatures seen roaming the countrysides of the world. The creatures seem ape-like, yet have the ability to walk upright like humans. Known collectively as Bigfoot, these mysterious creatures seem intent on sticking to the shadows and remaining elusive. Most of the encounters are quick and fleeting, as the creature runs across a road or is seen lurking at the edge of the woods. However, there are times when these creatures are not entirely shy or benevolent. They can be aggressive, sometimes stalking a witness or trying to break into homes, or worse, attacking people. These are the most terrifying encounters with Bigfoot. Welcome once again to the Monstro Bizarro Podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Blackburn, and I'm here to guide you down the shadowy path of cryptids, phantoms, and strange cases of the unknown. In this episode, I'll be examining shocking cases of aggressive Bigfoot behavior, a subject I call Bigfoot Attacks. The overall perception of Bigfoot is that these creatures are big, furry, and generally harmless. Bigfoot has become a popular icon that can be used to market products or its image sold on t-shirts and lunchboxes. In some aspects of this product advertising, Bigfoot is even portrayed as a buffoon, such as the famous beef jerky commercials. But when we examine the various witness accounts that have been reported over the years, we find that some of these creatures are apparently aggressive and dangerous. It's something I get asked about all the time because I'm from the South, and down here Bigfoot has often been painted in a rather dark light. This is partly due to the classic 1972 Bigfoot film, The Legend of Boggy Creek, which dramatizes encounters with a Sasquatch-like creature seen near the small town of Falk, Arkansas. In The Legend of Boggy Creek, the creature was portrayed as a menace or a threat as it stalked around people's homes. In one of the most memorable scenes, the Falk monster attacked a guy right outside his house, which resulted in a trip to the hospital. Because this movie was so widely circulated back in the 1970s, 
and ever since on DVD and streaming services. It might imply that all the alleged Bigfoots down here are hell-bent on trying to get into homes or kill livestock or even people. Just to set the record straight, that's not always the case for Southern Bigfoot reports. By and large, the sightings are merely quick, innocuous encounters. But there are definitely instances where these things have stalked, attacked, or otherwise shown aggression towards the witnesses. And it's not something that's exclusive to the South. In fact, many of the early Sasquatch tales and native legends from the Pacific Northwest show them to be rather aggressive and even sinister. One of the classic examples from the Pacific Northwest is the so-called Ape Canyon incident. The story was told by a man named Fred Beck, who was a gold prospector living in Washington State. In July of 1924, Beck and four other miners were prospecting in the area of Mount St. Helens. He said that for years he and his associates had come across large, man-like tracks in the soft soil of the creek beds. They didn't think much of it until one afternoon he and one of the other miners saw a hairy, upright figure standing in some trees about a hundred yards away. It looked very tall and was covered in blackish hair. For some reason, Beck's friend decided to take a shot at it with his rifle. When the shot was fired, the creature took off running down a canyon, at which time Fred also shot at it. They were not sure if they hit it, but either way, they did not see it again for the rest of the day. The miners had constructed a small cabin in the gorge where they would stay during their prospect outings. Later that night, after the five miners were asleep, they were awakened by an enormous thud on one of the cabin's walls, followed by the sound of footsteps trampling around outside. The men scrambled to grab their guns and peered out through some gaps in the cabin walls. They were totally shocked. In the light of the hazy moon, they could see what appeared to be at least three figures moving around. They immediately thought of the bizarre hairy thing they'd shot at earlier. Beck said the rest of the night, the creatures, or whatever they were, assailed the cabin by throwing rocks at the walls and roof. It was like a constant barrage that had the miners fearing for their lives. At one point, a hairy hand came through the wall. One of the guys carelessly fired at it. The shot cracked like a deafening pop inside the small cabin as the hand quickly withdrew. The relentless attack went on through the night with only short breaks. It finally ended just before daylight. As soon as the sun broke, the miners ventured out of the cabin and cautiously looked around. They saw one of the ape-like creatures standing on a precipice about 80 yards away. Beck shot at it three times and it toppled over the cliff and into a gorge below. The miners grabbed their belongings and quickly left the area, never to return. The wild story eventually made its way to newspapers which printed the details of the horrifying event. Fred Beck was interviewed many times and even wrote a book about the experience in later years. The place where the cabin was located became known as Ape Canyon 
as a result of the tale. This account sounds like something straight out of a Bigfoot horror movie where the creature is often portrayed as a villain. In the primary newspaper interview, Fred Beck referred to the creatures as mountain devils, and that certainly sounds like the title of a Bigfoot horror movie. This was 1924, way before the term Bigfoot was coined, and way before anyone really knew anything about these creatures. It's a very intriguing story, and one that Beck stuck to until the end of his life. Ape Canyon has since become one of the classic Bigfoot accounts, and as we see, was one of the early ones that suggested these creatures could be dangerous. The same year, another prospector by the name of Albert Ostman claimed he was abducted by a Sasquatch while camping in British Columbia. The thing allegedly picked Ostman up in his sleeping bag while he was asleep in his camp. It dragged him about three hours through the woods and finally brought him to an area where the rest of its family lived. The prospector said he was held captive for six days before he was able to escape. It's a wild claim that was not made public for nearly three decades because Osman thought people would think he was crazy. The Bigfoot, in this case, didn't seem particularly dangerous, but the fact that it grabbed a man and drug him miles through the woods is disturbing enough. And if Ostman didn't escape, what was this creature planning to do to him? Even earlier than these incidents, there were reports of aggressive ape-like creatures in various newspapers all across the country. The May 8th 1956 edition of the Hornsville Tribune told of a strange event that supposedly occurred in Sevier County, Arkansas. As the story goes, a party of men were in pursuit of a so-called wild man, which had often been seen in the wooded areas between Arkansas and Louisiana. They were finally able to get close when their hunting dogs ran it onto the frozen ice of a lake. As the creature tried to cross it, the ice gave way, causing it to fall into the icy waters. One of the hunters circled around the lake and concealed himself in the brush, where he watched as the creature finally crawled from the ice and shook itself off. He described it as a stout, athletic man-type thing, about six feet four inches in height, completely covered with brownish hair about four to six inches long. The hunter could have shot it, but since the party was trying to take the man-beast alive, he approached it on horseback, hoping to keep it at bay until the rest of the men could get there to assist. The wild man, however, lashed out and pulled the hunter from his horse and began to bite and beat him. The monster then tore the saddle from the horse, mounted it, and started off at full speed across the plains. Back in the 1800s, there were a lot of newspaper reports that talked of these wild men. They were usually described as being like a man, yet covered in hair. It definitely sounds like a Bigfoot, but it's hard to say whether they were more ape-like or more like feral humans. In the previous account, the thing supposedly jumped on a horse and rode off, so I'm definitely skeptical in this case. But either way, it supports the notion that these creatures, if real, 
could be very aggressive when provoked. There's a similar story that came out of Georgia in 1829. In this case, a man who had been exploring deep in the Okefenokee Swamp saw what he described as a half-man, half-ape. When he told the story to a group of local hunters, the hunters decided to venture into the swamp to hunt it down. They hiked deep into the swamp and sure enough came upon tracks that looked vaguely human yet were monstrously large. A short time later, several huge upright beasts covered in hair emerged from a cypress thicket and attacked them. During the struggle, several of the hunters were killed while others fled. They returned to the closest town to tell their story. The primary beast, which again sounds very much like a Sasquatch, a huge man-like thing that stood upright, became known as the Man Mountain. Another strange tale came out of Ohio in 1897. According to a newspaper article, a gorilla-like thing was creating terror around the town of Rome. Two men cutting timber claimed they encountered it while cutting trees. It attacked them and they had to struggle to fight it off. They described it as being about six feet tall, covered in hair, and able to walk upright. Again, it's hard to say if this was a Bigfoot, but it does seem like it. Perhaps it attacked them because they were cutting down trees, kind of like defending its territory. Animals can be very territorial, and Bigfoot could be the same. There's a legend out of Oklahoma that talks of similar aggressive beasts. According to the story, in 1855, a group of bandits were stealing food from citizens in Lafleur County, and then they kidnapped several children. An armed group of Choctaw cavalry, led by Captain Lafleur, came in to put a stop to it. When they located the camp where the bandits were held up, they were horrified to find it occupied by three man-like beasts. Corpses of the kidnapped children were burning atop a large earthen mound. Lafleur and the Choctaws engaged the creatures in a bloody battle that nearly cost them their lives. They were finally able to overcome the creatures when one of the Choctaw men chased it down by foot and killed it with a knife. The legend has become known as the Bigfoot Indian War, although I'm fairly certain this one might indeed just be a story. After some research by myself and my colleague Marvin Leeper, it appears that the person who originally posted the account on the internet might well have simply created it. Moving over to Tennessee, an 1871 edition of the Hagerstown Mail newspaper reported that residents of McNary County were being terrorized by a tall, muscular creature with fiery red eyes and long hair. The creature eventually became known as the Tennessee Wildman. There are many of these old stories about dangerous wild men, and they continued well into the 20th century as they eventually transitioned from the context of wild men to creatures that are described more like apes, i.e. Bigfoot. One of the most shocking reports of a Bigfoot gone bad was recorded by the now-defunct Bigfoot Bulletin in October of 1970. 
The report was submitted by a man named Nick Campbell, who was an Army trainee stationed at Fort Ord, California. Campbell related a bizarre story told to him by two of his fellow trainees from the Texas National Guard, a Private David Lawson and a Private Royal Jacobs, both from Longview, Texas. In the words of Nick Campbell, In about the year of 1965, was a rash of reports of a giant hairy creature roaming the thickets in backcountry between Jefferson and Longview, Texas, the nearest to Longview. A man and his daughter reported it as being large, black, and not a bear. Several head of cattle and a couple of people were supposedly killed by it. Private Jacobs was a member of a posse that hunted the creature when he was a teenager. He told me he saw the body of one of the murdered persons and that the victim had been torn apart. At the time, he threw his gun back in the car and went home. That's a rather sobering tale and one that suggests Bigfoot-like creatures had killed a human. As such, I tried to find some other documentation to support this wild claim, but could never track down any further information. However, there were some newspaper articles from 1965 that talked about other incidents in the area and even mentioned that a so-called monster hunt was organized by the authorities. According to the Marshall News Messenger, 13-year-old Johnny Maples was walking along a rural road in Marion County near the town of Jefferson, Texas on the afternoon of August 20, 1965, when he heard a noise in the bushes. He thought it might be a friend who lived nearby, so he called out. When the person did not answer, he threw a few rocks into the bushes, figuring it was just a small animal. Suddenly, a hairy, man-like beast emerged from the trees behind a fence. Maples panicked and started running down the road. According to the boy, the beast jumped the fence and started after him. He ran as fast as he could, but the thing was able to keep up by merely walking with long strides behind him. Maples threw off his shoes in order to run faster, all the while looking back to see the hairy beast in pursuit. Maples said the last time he turned around to look, the beast had gone off the road and disappeared into the woods. Maples could hear him moving around, but didn't see the thing again. A neighbor eventually drove by in a car and gave Johnny a ride home. When the boy told the story to his mother, who noted her son was in a state of shock, she immediately called the Marion County Sheriff's Office. A deputy was sent to the scene, but he could find no evidence of the alleged beast. Maples described it as a seven-foot-tall ape with long black hair all over its body except for the face, stomach, and palms of its hands. He said it had long arms that hung down below its knees. Shortly after the Maples incident, a couple walking in a nearby cemetery heard a blood-chilling scream from the woods. The next day, they found a set of large, unidentified animal tracks outside the cemetery gates. The prints were believed to have been made by the same creature, which the newspaper dubbed the Marion County Monster. The events resulted in a, quote, monster hunt made up of lawmen and local citizens. 
Marion County is not far from Longview, where the report of murderous apes originated around the same time. This is close to Caddo Lake on the border between Texas and Louisiana, where there's a long history of Bigfoot sightings. The lake is amazing, with scenery that looks like it's right out of a prehistoric swamp. The area seems perfect for something to live there undetected. Speaking of lakes, one of the scariest aggressive Bigfoot reports I've ever heard comes from the area of Crook Lake, about a hundred miles northwest of Jefferson, Texas. In this case, a woman whom I will call Deborah for privacy reasons told several of my colleagues about a terrifying experience she had out there. According to Deborah, in 2002, she and her husband were driving one evening near the lake when their truck got stuck in the mud. They did not have a cell phone at the time, so the only option was to walk to the nearest town where they could summon a wrecker to pull them out. Because it was quite a long distance, Deborah decided it would be best to wait in the truck while her husband went alone at a faster pace. It was a decision she would come to regret. After her husband departed, Deborah rolled down the windows, kicked back in the seat, and settled in. It was a warm evening and the place seemed relaxing. She eventually started to doze off, but was awakened by a loud scream. It sounded like it came from a large animal. The scream was unsettling, but after five minutes with no further sounds, she began to relax again. That's when she caught sight of three figures walking from the woods towards the truck's driver's side door. The figures were large, bulky, and covered in hair, and they walked upright. Judging by the anatomy, one was male and the other two were females. They all looked fierce and ape-like, yet there was something strangely human about them. When they reached the truck, the male reached through the driver's side window and grabbed Deborah's leg with its massive hand. He then tried to pull her out of the truck. Fortunately, the animal was so bulky it could only fit part of its body through the window, so that made it harder to get a good hold on her. Deborah fought for what seemed like several minutes, beating at the creature's arm with one hand and grasping the steering wheel with the other in an attempt to keep it from pulling her out of the cab. Finally, Deborah grabbed an empty Coke bottle from the floorboard and hit the creature with it as hard as she could. That was enough to get it to let go and pull its arm out of the cab. As soon as it did, Deborah rolled up the window and locked the door. She huddled inside, cowering in shock and fear. She was certain they would make another attempt to get her. However, the creature suddenly turned and ran back into the woods. When her husband returned with a wrecker, Deborah frantically told him what had happened. They rushed to the nearest hospital in Paris, Texas, where she was treated. According to Deborah, the ordeal is something that will haunt her for the rest of her life. This story is absolutely horrifying. One minute you don't believe in Bigfoot, and the next minute one is trying to pull you out of your car. I can only imagine what would have happened to Deborah if it had gotten her out.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This account brings up the subject of people disappearing in the woods under strange circumstances, or cases where kids get lost or are abducted, and then once they're found, they say that a quote-unquote bear took them. The idea that Bigfoot is responsible for some disappearances in the woods has gained a lot of traction in the last decade. It's a pretty scary thought that Bigfoots might be taking people and doing who knows what with them. The woods are dangerous enough without Bigfoots abducting people. Of course, not all disappearances can be blamed on Bigfoot, but some of these cases really do leave you wondering about the possibility, especially if it takes place in an area where there's a lot of Bigfoot sightings or where someone actually sees a hairy figure in the vicinity of an abduction. That happened in the case of Dennis Martin, a little boy who disappeared under very strange circumstances in the Smoky Mountains National Park in Tennessee back in 1969. One of the witnesses who was interviewed by the FBI, said they saw, quote, a bear or rough-looking person with something over its shoulder within walking distance of where little Dennis went missing. The authorities organized a huge manhunt, which lasted for weeks, but they never found any trace of the boy. He was there one minute playing near his parents and simply gone the next. It's impossible to say if this really involved the Bigfoot, but we've got a vague sighting of a rough-looking human who was mistaken for a bear in an area where a child has gone missing, an area with a history of mysterious ape-like animal reports. The implications are disturbing, to say the least. There's another disturbing story from Tennessee, which was published in 1976. According to a newspaper article, four-year-old Gary Robertson was standing outside the back door of his home in Flintville with his mother Jeannie Robertson right behind him. They had just finished dinner and were headed outside to enjoy the evening. Suddenly, 
Gary screamed as Jenny caught sight of a dark, hair-covered figure a few feet away. She heard it breathing and could smell a terrible, foul odor. The thing reached for Gary with a long, hairy arm. Jeannie instinctively grabbed her son just as the thing's hand grasped him. She pulled him inside and called out to her husband, Melvin. When Melvin came to the door, he saw a large, black figure running into the woods on two legs. Miss Robertson described it as being at least seven feet tall, with a hair-covered body and long, dirty claws on its outstretched hand. What do you do in a case like this? Call the cops and say a big, hairy monster tried to grab my kid? They'd just laugh it off. I guess that's why Melvin went out and tried to hunt the thing down himself. And he actually had another sighting of it. And so did several other people who lived around Flintville. As I mentioned earlier, stories of aggressive, Bigfoot-like creatures have long been told in the Pacific Northwest area. Many of the Native American legends talk about beings such as ogres or hairy giants. Some of these are considered to be forest people who are generally benign, while some supposedly steal food and even kidnap children. A long list of tribes have similar legends which have become intermixed with Bigfoot lore, suggesting that these so-called hairy giants were actually Sasquatches. If so, then this is another example of the creature's potential for being dangerous. For example, the Salish tribe of the Northwest refers to these beings as Stick Indians. Stick Indians are described as malevolent and extremely dangerous forest spirits who resemble a large, hairy, man-like creature. In some stories, Stick Indians have the power to paralyze, hypnotize, or cause insanity in hapless humans, while in others, they merely lead people astray by making eerie sounds like whistling or laughter in the woods at night. In some stories, these creatures even eat people, kidnap children, or molest women. They also take revenge against humans who injure or disrespect them. These are a far cry from the image of Bigfoot as a benevolent forest creature who walks casually along creek beds. When we start looking at these native legends in terms of Bigfoot, it brings up a host of behaviors that range from helpful to downright scary. It seems similar to what we have in modern times where there is a wide range of alleged interactions with Bigfoot, from a simple sighting to a situation like Crook Lake where the creature is apparently trying to harm someone or kidnap them. It's impossible to conclusively connect the native legends to what we perceive today as Sasquatch, but either way, the range of behaviors is very consistent. I've heard reports where Bigfoots have supposedly stolen food, and other reports where they were trying to get into people's homes. There's a rather famous case from the Kayamichi Mountains in Oklahoma, where a group of Bigfoots was supposedly harassing some homeowners for several years. The case has become known as the Siege of Honeby. It started in 1998 when a family by the name of Humphrey first spotted an upright, hair-covered creature on their property just outside of Honeby, Oklahoma. Over the next year, 
They said the creatures were being seen more frequently and eventually started raiding their outdoor freezer, stealing venison the Humphrey brothers had harvested during their deer hunts. The aggressive activity continued to escalate. The creatures started banging on the home and scratching at the windows at night. When one tried to get into the back door, Tim Humphrey grabbed his gun and took a shot at it while it was running into the woods. Tim apparently hit it and perhaps mortally wounded it because the rest of the night he could hear an eerie moaning howl coming from the mountainside as if it were being mourned by another of its kind. Eventually, the raiding and shooting escalated until the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation intervened and told the Humphreys to stop storing venison in their shed. The authorities blamed the whole thing on bears, but after personally interviewing the brother Mike Humphrey, I'm pretty certain he and Tim would know the difference between a bear and a Bigfoot. I've been to the home myself. It sits atop a huge forested section of a mountain and is in an area where there's a long history of Bigfoot sightings. There are bears up there, but these guys are hunters and very familiar with bears and other wildlife. I've seen a lot of bears around my family's cabin in New Mexico, and I didn't once think that it looked like a Bigfoot. Maybe from a distance or behind a bunch of trees, a bear could be mistaken for a Bigfoot. But the Humphreys claimed to have seen these creatures in clear view close to their house. It's pretty scary to think that a group of Bigfoots would continually attack a home. It reminds me of the Ford incident that took place in Falk, Arkansas. The Ford case is one of the most famous Bigfoot attack stories because it's the climax sequence in The Legend of Boggy Creek movie. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, this movie, and this incident in particular, is the reason why Southern Bigfoot has gotten a bad reputation. I've written extensively about this case in my Boggy Creek books. It was a long ordeal where the Fords said they actually saw a big, hairy, man-like thing creeping around on their porch and oftentimes running into the woods. All of this culminated one night in May of 1971 when the alleged creature crept onto the porch of the home once again. Don Ford, Charles Taylor, and Bobby Ford grabbed a flashlight and a shotgun and confronted it. The thing ran towards the woods but not before they fired half a dozen shots. Believing they had hit it and possibly killed or mortally wounded it, the three men walked out into the darkness to investigate. When they did, they heard their wives begin screaming back at the house. Bobby Ford ran back up there to check on them. When he did, something large and hairy came from around the side of the house and attacked him. He fought with it for several moments until he finally broke free. Bobby then jumped back onto the porch and smashed through the screen door as he struggled to get back inside the house. Whatever had attacked him ran back into the darkness and they did not see it again. Bobby was so shaken and scratched up, the family loaded him into the back seat of their car and raced to the hospital in Texarkana. When they arrived at the ER, the doctor on staff asked what had happened. The Fords could only say that a large, hairy monster had attacked them in Falk. It was as tall as a man and covered in hair, 
and it was intent on getting inside their home. The doctor had never heard such a wild story, but he did not doubt them. The family was absolutely frantic, and Bobby was in total shock with visible injuries on his body. Something frightening and truly bizarre had indeed taken place, and it would never be forgotten, thanks to the movie The Legend of Boggy Creek. In terms of Bigfoot attacks, I can't cover this topic without indicting the so-called skunk ape. This Bigfoot creature, known to Florida and the surrounding states, has a significant history of scary behavior. The term skunk ape can be traced back to at least 1971, and it has since become the primary term to identify Bigfoot-like creatures seen in Florida, or more generally, in the South. While some believe this creature is different than the ubiquitous Bigfoot, others speculate that it's one and the same with the only difference being the regional name. Some descriptions of the creature do suggest that it's more hairy and ape-like than your typical Bigfoot, sometimes even moving on all fours. However, the majority of the witnesses report an animal that seems typical of any other tall, upright thing that we would call a Bigfoot. Either way, the skunk ape has been known to be aggressive or intrusive at times. One example originates from Volusia County, north of Orlando. According to an article from the Orlando Sentinel Star, in the fall of 1977, a security guard by the name of Donnie Hall was checking out a noise at a plant nursery at around 2 a.m. when he was, quote, grabbed from behind by an ape-like animal twice his height, covered with long hair and smelling like a goat. Hall managed to break loose, grab a shotgun, and fire at the creature, hitting it twice. The creature hunched over and let out a moan, but still managed to turn and run away. The guard shined its flashlight on it, getting a very good look. He noted that its hair was brownish-red, except around the face where it had some gray hair. Hall said he had also seen the creature two nights prior as it tried to break down the door of the nursery. He reported the incidents to the local sheriff's office, but the investigation did not turn up anything conclusive. Two years earlier, one of the most bizarre skunk ape incidents of all time was recorded by the Dade County Public Safety Department. In an official report, filed March 24, 1975, Ronald Bennett stated that he and his son Michael and their friend Lawrence Groom were driving down a dirt road towards the area of Black Point around midnight when they, quote, observed what appeared to be a giant ape-like man approximately eight to nine feet tall and very heavy set, black in color with no clothes, standing next to a blue Chevy and rocking the car back and forth with great force. As they approached, a man got out of the Chevy and started yelling hysterically for help. Seconds later, the ape-like thing turned and ran into the mangroves, small trees that grow in brackish coastal waters. The witnesses continued down the road and eventually turned around. As they passed the Chevy once again, they could hear movement in the mangroves, but could no longer see the owner of the Chevy. Ronald Bennett finally called police at 2.26 a.m., at which time a patrol officer was dispatched to the location. 
The officers searched the area, but found no trace of the car or the ape man. He was skeptical, but the witnesses were adamant that they had seen exactly what they had reported. The police report doesn't explain why the Bennets didn't stop to help or at least talk to the hysterical man, so it can only be assumed that either they were too frightened or the man walked away from the road when they drove by. The incident is truly bizarre and quite disturbing if it is indeed fact. In 2008, a woman in Charlotte Harbor, Florida, was walking her dogs when she was confronted by a large, hairy, upright creature. According to her statement, she was walking the dogs a short distance from her rural home after dark when she noticed a huge figure standing in the middle of the road ahead. It was pretty far off, so she wasn't able to determine just who or what it was. The woman turned away for a few seconds, and when she looked back, the figure had advanced extremely quickly in her direction. It was odd, but she was still not quite sure what it was. She looked away again, and when she looked back, again the thing had moved even closer. Now it was standing close enough that she could see it was not a person or even a large yet familiar animal. It stood approximately eight to nine feet tall and was covered in longish hair. It had a muscular body with a big chest and long arms. It was huge and hulking, though it could move very quietly and quickly. It was like a phantom, yet there it was, standing before her, looming closer. The thing was downwind of the dog, so they did not notice it until the woman began to panic. It was apparent this thing was intentionally advancing on her, so the witness pulled the dogs and ran for her house. When she got inside and looked out, she could see that the thing had followed her. It was standing in her driveway. The dogs barked for a few moments before shrinking back and cowering in the kitchen. According to the woman, I think it came up to the front screen door because the motion light kept coming on. I was too afraid to look out the windows, so I cowered with the dogs in the kitchen until I thought it was gone. As a result of the encounter with what she believes to be a Bigfoot, the woman would no longer go outside after dark. To her, Bigfoot is not simply a benevolent creature. It is dangerous, menacing, and not something she wants to encounter ever again. There's just so many examples of Bigfoot's gone bad that I could just go on and on. But that sound means it's time to answer some listener mail. Hopefully it's safe enough to make it to the mailbox and back. It's already after dark here, and I heard something big creaking around on the porch outside. Okay, I've got the mail. This question comes from listener Charlie Lewis. Charlie asks, Do you think Bigfoot or other cryptid creatures shown in movies helps or hinders the quest for trying to prove them? This is a good and appropriate question for our discussion here. So I think there's two ways we can look at it. On one hand, we could say that movies which play up the sensational aspects of cryptids 
especially Bigfoot, and make them into something of a pop culture icon are hindering the possibility that mainstream science will ever embrace the subject. This would apply to product advertising as well, such as the beef jerky commercials with Sasquatch. Mainstream science is already dubious, and the portrayal of cryptids in horror films and such can make it seem even more detached from reality. But on the other hand, if someone were to bring forth some piece of irrefutable evidence, an actual body, a finger, a chunk of skin, etc., then it doesn't matter how many Bigfoot horror movies have been made. At that point, the reality would eclipse the entertainment version and zoologists and scientists would be all over it, despite whatever they previously believed about the subject of Bigfoots or cryptids. I personally enjoy seeing cryptids in movies, and I think it's entertaining. There's some really good Bigfoot horror films in particular, although it's true that most of the Bigfoot or cryptid horror films are pretty bad. But we need boogeymen, so to speak, monsters in movies, so it's always cool when it's a monster that just might actually be real. The fact that there are so many credible sightings of Bigfoot, for example, can make it all the more plausible in a fictional movie. Never doubt that monsters exist. They do. Right here. In North America today. There are creatures that are known simply as Bigfoot. They were known to the Indian over a hundred years ago, and they're still alive today. So why would Bigfoot or skunk apes be aggressive? There's plenty of possibilities, but I think it could simply boil down to the basic nature of any living creature. If these things do exist in the natural order, then they would certainly have the same kind of territorial instincts as other large predators. If they perceive a threat, such as humans invading their woods, they might try to run them off with a warning, or worse. They might also be protecting their young. Bears are typically shy and will avoid humans, but if they perceive a threat to their young, they can and will attack. It's just a natural and understandable reaction. In some cases, these creatures may be trying to get an easy meal, like in the case from Oklahoma where they were allegedly stealing venison from a shed and then later trying to get into the home. The aggressive behavior seemed tied to the pursuit of food. Some witnesses say that Bigfoot threw rocks at them. It might seem rather ridiculous, but there are cases where chimpanzees have been observed gathering rocks and hurling them at people. It's not a far stretch to imagine that Sasquatch could do the same thing if people get too close in the woods. Some of these creatures could just be ill-tempered, like humans. If these creatures are something beyond our natural order, then who knows what may drive them or compel them to be aggressive. Researchers are still striving for the truth, the proof. There are so many unanswered questions. Would a Bigfoot kill a human? 
perhaps. If the creature is angry or provoked, then there is little that would stop it save a firearm, and perhaps not even that. And what if it were to grab you and pull you into the deep woods? How would anyone ever know what happened to you if your body is never found? Like so many missing persons cases that involve wooded areas, it would simply remain unsolved. So the next time you see a seven-foot-tall, hairy hominoid lurking in the woods, it would be wise to give it plenty of space. You never know what it might do. These would surely be the ultimate apex predators. And us humans, merely trespassers, navigating the dangerous backwoods of a place we call Monstro Bizarro. For information about my books, movies, and other products, please visit lyleblackburn.com. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 